say we as the accumulation of all that I am because my co-star Mark Outlaw Mark he's uh has technical difficulties so he's going to be joining us what the hell this is so weird this is so weird all right so yeah he's going to be joining as soon as possible and I guess we could start off by saying, um, we, this is so weird. Why am I talking in the plural? Cause you're with me, you, the listener. Yeah. So we can talk off. We can, we can start, uh, more coffee, more coffee, red rum, red rum. Um, we can start off by wishing all the fathers a belated happy Father's Day. So it was, uh, Father's Day yesterday and, um, I'm a dad. Maybe it's appropriate because uh, Mark has not brought that into his life. And um, it's so weird. There's such a like the Sneetches story is so it's a simple way of saying like those with stars and those without. And really, it doesn't matter. We have so many ways of separating on this planet. You know, those with kids and those without those who drink and those who don't. Skin color, religious beliefs, the origination of knowledge, (laughs) the alpha and omega. It's just like, really, like, what's it all about? I had this great conversation with Bodhi yesterday, and it was like, you know, just being in the present, being in the moment and happy now. Forget all the chaos in the mind, which we've all heard and we've all read in bestsellers. Um, all right. So I'm here waiting for Mark. Happy belated Father's Day to all the dads out there. Even if you don't deserve it, you know, because some of you are fuckers and um, all of us can be fuckers at some time. But, you know, it was such an easy thing. You just had to be present. That's all you had to do. It would have been fine. Oh, look, there's nine Facebook pixels associated with the live streaming platform. That's so weird. All right, so we're. Uh, t- he said he was going to probably be 10 minutes late because he had to restart his computer. Hopefully, this maybe this recording is just going to languish on the shelf and never go live. This is episode 53 of Moped Outlaws, and uh, it's time for a sip of coffee. So join me, won't you, in a sip of coffee. A sacred moment. Shut up, Greg, and drink your coffee. Okay, I hear you. Just a moment, please. Mm, That is good coffee. Yes. All right. um, So... uh, my eldest is in Bali. I was looking on a map with Jonah, and Bali is like closer to Australia than anywhere else. Like that's the closest continent. She's as far away from me as she can possibly get right now. And she just landed. She had a fantastic flight there. And oh, here he is. He has arrived. So, welcome, Mark. Get this party started in here. <laughs> All right. That wasn't 10 minutes. You're not as late as you thought you'd be. Yeah. Well, I thought I was going to be that late. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was just talking a lot of shit about you. Had the good grace to take up the four minutes allotted to me by myself to just talk shit about my partner in this venture and what a lackadaisical lazy no good rednecked pumpkin eating sauerkraut throwing against the wall motherfucker you are wow i that's really flattering 
Thank you. You're welcome. Amen. Yeah. I, re- I really appreciate you seeing me for, for all of my, in all my fullness. That's beautiful. <laughs> Actually, I was just mentioning to our audience of zero that yesterday was Father's Day. Is that, yeah. I forgot to mention that to us. And, yeah, well. Um, and then I also was talking about how Robin is just landed in Bali about an hour ago. That was a long trip. Yeah, it was. Well, part of it, because her fucking flight that was supposed to be leaving at 12.05 Tuesday morning, you know, like just after midnight, actually ended up leaving Monday morning at 8 in the morning. They never told her. She never got a notice or anything. So she was scrambling Monday. Hopefully she's going to get her money back for that. But uh, she ended up on the Arab... um, Amaretus? Is that how you say that? Amer- I don't know. Emeritus? Emer- I have no... Em- em- oh, Emeritus. Emeritus. Emeritus? Is that how you say Yeah. I think. I'm guessing. An awesome flight. An awesome flight. She, yeah, I've uh, heard good things about that airline. Yeah. She's waiting. So she had economy, middle of the seat, you know, like basic. Um, and she was at, waiting to get into the bathroom. She starts talking to one of the stewards he ends up being in charge of all the, you know, the whole flight for, and he invites her up to first class. So she hung out at the first class bar for like four hours, had champagne, relaxed, and it's killer. <laughs> it was, uh, well, Polly's actually a two stop flight, as I understand it. And that yeah, first leg is 18 hours. Yeah. Right? She, in Dubai, she stopped in Dubai and she had a layover there for nine hours, I think. Wow. Yeah. Dubai, huh? That's a pretty yeah. bitchin' place from what I hear. Well, she didn't venture out because no, she... No, of course not. Yeah. But um, she... If, I think the whole experience, and then Liz, um, Liz, one of Liz's yoga teacher friends had a friend that lived in Bali. So the long story short is a gentleman was waiting for her at the airport in Bali to pick her up. And um, sounds Someone like known and trusted by the family. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so I think she's off to a wonderful start on her adventure. Yeah. Across the traveler. Cause you, you cross the date line. Yeah. It's Friday morning right now. She just texted me. I just made it through customs. I'm heading out to the car now. And it was Friday morning. And here we are. Shh, don't look behind the curtain, but it's Thursday morning. I was going to so say, I, she had such a long flight that it took her till Monday to get there. Yeah. <laughs> An hour ago, Monday. But so now everyone knows again, when I was wishing everyone a happy, you know, post Father's Day and talking about my Father's Day. I just made the whole thing up because. Yeah, see, and M- Moped Outlaws fans, you can just rest easy in the fact that you guys are multidimensional travelers. Like, it just comes with the territory as part of this whole podcast is you you are multidimensional time travelers. Part of what we do. Now, um, what is real when this is live is that uh, tonight is the summer solstice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The light is fully lit. Yeah. Boy, it's also weird. the day that we celebrate Juneteenth, even though Juneteenth is the Sunday, the 19th. We celebrate it as a national holiday on um, Monday. Is it really a national day off? Are banks closed? Uh, let me ask Google that question. Okay, because I, I, don't, I don't think it is. I don't know that it's... Hey, by the way, we had homework. Did you do your homework for today? It's a federal holiday. All right. Nice. Federal Reserve Banks and Branches will be closed on Monday the 20th. And God, our economy is tanking, Mr. Went. Tanking. Wait a minute. Now, what, what, is, what do you mean? Did I do my homework? I am going... On Friday, I went and saw um, Top Gun Maverick. No, that and wasn't our homework. Right, right now, I can't remember it. 
But um, <laughs> <laughs> that it was fantastic. <laughs> but I I did watch uh, Hustle. Okay, and that was. And I remember that. Okay, uh, and what did you think? I thought it was a uh, a very compelling movie. Uh, are, are we going to do spoiler alert here? Should we spoiler alert people? Well, let's do it. So this is a spoiler alert. I think by now people should just know. We talk about things, but you're right. No, because what if there's a new person? Uh, let me put it this listener. way. If you haven't seen Hustle, it's worth it to turn us off right now and not listen to us until you've seen Hustle because it's a good movie. It is good. And I'm a cinemaphile. Well, maybe that's claiming too much. I'm a- I like to watch movies. <laughs> 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 he just reduced his PhD down to a master's. <laughs> Actually, it's probably more like an associate's. <laughs> I think it's more than that. All right. Well, nonetheless, okay. uh, I don't like spoiling stuff for people because I really enjoy it. And I think there's some hidden gems in this film. Um, some uncut gems. See what we did there? Yeah, I almost did that. But you you brought the ball over into the hoop for us. Thank you. I gave you the assist. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, so um, Adam Sandler is maturing into a, tr- a really human filmmaker. Uh, he really takes the time and energy in this film to develop the ways that the characters relate to each other so that we can feel the emotional landscape. It would have been really easy to just make this, a, this the hero's journey of finding that guy and how hard it is to find that guy and then bringing him back to the States and getting him the job. That's all part of it, right? There's that excitement part of it, right. but it would have been easy to miss the depth and complexity of, you know, the soul aspects of, of all the different things. And, you know, Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, a whole host of NBA stars, former and stars and stars. stars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and guys that are, you know, it was, it was interesting to me because I don't know enough about the NBA to have understood exactly when I was seeing an NBA basketball player playing it a role as an actor. I understood when I saw NBA stars playing themselves, but there were apparently a number of NBA players who played acting roles as not themselves. And it's an interesting thing because you get asked to do that as an NBA player. And you're basically saying, yeah, I know no one knows who I am because I'm going to be able to play this character that no one's going to know who I am. Right. So, um, it was a really cool mix. And I, my sense of it is Adam Sandler, midway through writing this decided, Oh, well, I'm going to get to hang out with a bunch of NBA guys that I want to hang out with. And so that's a big part of why he made the film, right? It was like, okay, I want to go talk stories with these people. I want to meet Dr. J, you know, all these greats. So that part, I could really relate to the idea of him just like digging deep down um, and loving that. Yeah. And LeBron James was one of the producers and I know LeBron, like with that Amy, what's her name? Stand-up comedian, Amy. Amy Schumer. Schumer. Yeah, I was saying Shoemaker, and I knew that wasn't right. So yeah. Amy Schumer, that that he was in, like I heard some interviews of him saying, like he's he's doing this in part to have something after his NBA career's over. He want, LeBron wants to be into movie producing and stuff like that? Yeah, the entertainment industry, yeah. Well, interestingly enough, during the release of this, he crossed the one billion net worth mark, which not many NBA players have done. Damn. And I don't know exactly all the depth of that, but for me, uh, there's there's a hurdle you can't get over. You're always watching Adam Sandler, and I he st- he does a great job embodying the characters he is, right. And in Uncut Gems, it was I had less disbelief than in this film. But in this film, it was still he's just too known as Adam Sandler, the comedian. You know, his roles have all been him playing a funny guy. See, I thought he did great. Like I oh, thought he did. Um, the emotional resonance is all there. But it's the just only thing that 
where I wasn't so in with the emotional resonance was him telling the story of how his hand got injured when he actually finally does tell the real story. And that didn't feel so real to me, but it gave depth to his connection with the uh, agent friend of his, you know, who finally hooks him up to the game. And like, I, um, and there was resonance where, like he said, and I stewed in it. Like, I got to think about that. I was like, Fuck. Well, that's what's so great about the way the script is written and the way that the actors are given enough time scene to scene to really, you know, deepen into what's happening for them. And yeah. so that part's totally believable. Right? And when you mentioned that earlier, like I thought of uh, his wife when he's like, you encouraged me to do this. She goes, yeah, now that you've done it, I'm kind of scared. I right. Like, I love what that. What a great scene. Yeah. yeah. And Queen Latifah, she's been acting for a while and oh, yeah, you know, she's, she's great. She's she looks great. Mom. Their relationship together seemed totally real. Yeah. Totally real. And every man in the world wants a woman who has his back on that level. Like she just, she's such a great combination of, look, I'm not, I'm I'm not taking no shit and I'm not just enabling you outline. But at the end of the day, I have your back, right? I love it. It was kind of like we're in it together. It wasn't even like I have your back. We're in, then that's part of what I saw in the tomb. We're in this together. Yeah. And her sharing the story of how, uh, he, you know, he, on the bus when they first met. Right. That was a yeah. lot of fun. And I also like what he said. Yeah. I just told him that whole story. She's all, that was me that was passing out. Oh, really? Well, it worked. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And it's funny because a lot of guys have that kind of selective memory about stories about their life. Absolutely. Then, absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing. It was so, there were so many real things. Like you say, the depth was really good. Well, and I think to be funny takes a level of intelligence. And so what we're seeing here is as Adam Sandler moves away from the kind of shtick comedy that he's done for so long, that intelligence is now being applied into a really great, like kind of really nice, warm film. Yeah. Right. Um, The other thing that I really related to, and I'm, I feel a lot of uh, unease about being this vulnerable in this moment about what I'm about to say about myself. But when he was out on the road in that first opening montage. And there was like seven different fast food things that he had. I could totally relate. Like I'm, I've been that guy and I I'm hoping I'm not that guy in the next time I'm out by myself roaming around the countryside without my woman. But I'm that guy that's like, Oh, she's not looking like, cool. I'm going to have the KFC, right? I'm going to have, I'm going to have the McDonald's. I'm going to, and, uh, it's interesting that 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 was in there because it gives us a, a self-reflection, right? To, to look at like that piece. And so that film, it's full of the ways that we hide ourselves as men. And even the main hero character has this about him, right? Like they, they get to the point where he decides he's going to work with them and he gets them on the plane and they're going through customs. And that's when he finds out that the guy has an assault charge on him. And, and there, there's like this whole thing that goes down around that. Um, But so talking about championing like the men, one of the things I loved was the mom's speech where she was saying, you give all this love to me. You give all this love to your daughter. You give none to yourself. And I think Sandy, was that his name? Adam Sandler's? I think whatever. So. And she said, you know, Sandy took that weight off you so that you could be who you are. You know, like he took that weight on himself so you could be. And that, I think, is part of champion someone. Yeah. Is you Reminding take, them to love themselves. You, yeah. And you take their weight off them. You You shoulder that burden so that they can soar. I'm not sure you have to shoulder it. I think you can relieve it without taking it on. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. uh, I don't feel the need to proclaim my righteousness around this issue, but I think it's a beautiful observation (laughs) of how she does remind him 
to be generous with himself, right? Because he is that kind of character. He's a very generous character. But he's also nobody's bitch either, which I like. Yes. And, and but it also it. showed, though, he was that guy's bitch as yeah. long as he let that guy under his skin. Yeah. And that yeah. guy was finding ways to do it I, over and over. Like, that well, was so no, I'm talking about horror. Adam Sandler's character as he relates to the son of the business of the Oh, he was a bitch until the end. Right. Well, until the the two thirds mark, the third act. Right. Yeah. There's a whole yeah. thing that goes down where he just tells him off. He's like, right. Pah! And that and I think because we we were that was seated in the conversation he had with the father early in the film. Absolutely. So there was we were all like kind of all right. When's that moment going to happen? Right. Right. But also like he, that guy was in a place of pure power, you know, and I loved his comeuppance and how subtly that was done. Yeah. You know, you just had the sister there going, you made a mess. I'm cleaning it up. Right. That was it. And, you, and so it left for me, my imagination to go, oh, that fucking guy made a mess. You knew it. You know, yeah. I knew it. Like, you yeah. Know? Well, and it's brilliant because the whole time that we see this final sequence where he's it's game time, he's got the suit on, he's walking out and we know that something good happened for the ball player character. We're feeling like, Oh, he's a sixer. Right. Yes. And when we finally get out to the court and find out what's really going on, that's another layer of filmmaking where he kept like misleading us and opening the door to another possibility without us really catching on right away. Right, right. And um, to some degree that he w- he employed that technique successfully. And v- it wasn't really there weren't a lot of times when he didn't. I mean, how many times have we seen the coach and the athlete try the really hard training thing at the beginning? And, and the guy tells him that he has to beat a certain time. And then he ultimately two thirds of the way through the film, he finally beats that time. Like we knew that was going to happen. Right. But we still got to witness the trial of it and the, the, you know, and I, I, at the very first scene where they did that first run up the hill and he's following him in the car, I was like feeling tension around, is he going to accidentally run him over like shit? And then later, like I think the third or fourth time they did that montage where he's running up the hill, he's all, yeah, you better worry about your heels. I'm going to run, might hit you. Uh, it was it was another you know awareness of the tension of the film that the film holds right and i think that's masterful and i think there's tension in comedy and so adam sandler understands setup and release and he's definitely keeping that in his dramatic exposition. And I love that about him. I'm looking forward to whatever he's doing next, right? That's the thing he's set up with, with uncut gems and hustle. He has set us up to long for his next installment. And I think this is a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to go on and say it publicly. Adam Sandler is going to occupy the seat of the master when Woody Allen is no longer making films. Well, I think Woody Allen's done. His last couple of films have just fizzled. And I think the public, you know, I just don't hear people talking well of him anymore, even within the industry. Yeah, I get it. Um, and as far as comedic um, directors and writers who who have a film legacy, he does have a significant film legacy. He right? does. But who comes to my mind is Clint Eastwood. Because Clint Eastwood, remember, he had all those, like, um, the films with the orangutan. Every which way but loose. Yeah, yeah. They were just these goofy things. And even, you know, the Dirty Harry, you know, the last couple ones, like the one, the gauntlet, that was Mm -hmm. pretty tongue-in-cheek, you know, goofy, cheesy. And, And he's, you know, he makes fucking great films. Now, Uncut Gems wasn't Adam's movie, though. I mean, he was hired to star in someone else's movie for that one. I he had think. nothing to do with the writing? I don't think so. And his company, Madison Productions, wasn't part of that. Yeah. But That's not the name of the company. What is it? It's uh, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Which is a film worth seeing. I haven't seen that in about... 10, 15 years. It's worth going back to watch that too. It is good. Yeah. Especially if you love the game of golf. (laughs) 
or the deal. What was that game show? Make it. Let's make a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the idea of being on the like. Imagine that scene where they go out after he gets the the ball player uh, gets like locked out of the the showcase, and they go to the streets. And that yeah. scene where they're doing street ball, yes. and Doctor J walks onto the court, and everybody there, all those crowd people. What a couple of days. I'm sure it took him more than a day to film that scene. Maybe it only took one, but what an amazing experience to be there with Dr. J filming street ball. Right. And yeah. you could tell that they found some of the best street ball players they, they could yeah, they did. be the ones that, that took this on. And that whole, like, if it hits the rim, you get 50 bucks. If you get a bucket and if yeah. you win, you get a thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. That was just, I mean, the, the film is chock full of these wonderful, rich vignettes, and they yeah. string together perfectly in, in, in terms of storytelling right up right up to the very end. Yeah. Right? I in agree. the airport. I'm like, oh, all right, good. Good for you. It doesn't turn out the way I thought it did. Right? Yeah. And then, oopsie. Well, you know, and that was his buddy. That Now we have some story about their connection with each other, and like how Adam ruined both their careers in a way. Yeah. Um, and the love they still have for each other, even though there's, you know, some motion between them, I'd say. And I don't mean that like as a emotional connection. I just mean like they both went different ways. So they don't see each other a lot. Yeah. But they're yeah. still tight. And, um, and I love how Adam Sandler, like when he hugs the guy, uh, you know, before the game starts and they, you know, get, you know, there's a lot of love he has. And then he goes back to his players and goes, Hey, if he steps on his right foot, he's going to go for the basket. He steps on his left. He's going back for three, you know, like he's still, yeah. Like, he's like, Hey, I played here win. to win. <laughs> <laughs> I want to win. <laughs> I yeah. love you. And I want to win. Yeah. 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 You know, those are the kinds of friendships I want. Like, I like it that I could play full out with people. And I had a, an example of this come up in rehearsal this week, which was really great. Um, I'm playing with this uh, band that does cover songs, a lot of them 70s cover songs. And one of them that I've been, I got really stuck on because it has this kind of tricky solo intro, which is an Eagle song called Already Gone. And there's three lead guitar parts that open the song, right? But there's one in particular that was like the thing that would take it to the next level. And the other guitarist in the band has the he has that line. But there's another line that's been like giving me hell. And I have I've been I I gave up working on it two months ago. And up to that point I'd gotten so far and I was like uh, so my friend Tomas, who I've been playing music with since we were 14, he comes to rehearsal this week and he's like, yeah, I've almost worked out that solo intro for already gone. And he plays bass. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he, but I've been, I've been jumping over to bass for him on a couple of songs. So he can play lead guitar. And so here he is, he's like me, he's almost 60 and he's starting to take up lead guitar. And he fu- I fully like got my goat when he said <laughs> that. And I was like, no he's like well it, since no one else is doing it <laughs> and so literally i spent like the next half hour getting that thing together before the wow. singer got there wow. and so it was great because tomas loves me and he doesn't want to undermine me but at the same time he challenged me man to man like he like put it to me like do it dude or get out of the way <laughs> now one person has it and that yeah. person's going to play it if need be <laughs> yeah so i love um, that yeah i love that and that i think that's a really great part of male friendships or masculine friendships is that challenge it's, part i think it's i think it's friendships like i was listening to the always sunny podcast and their pro- producer of the podcast is a woman megan and she's also w- one of the producers of the show it seems anyway she was because they asked her, like, you know, when we shut you down with an idea, does it bother you? And she was like, no, I really appreciate it because it always feels to me like you're not saying I'm not funny. You're saying that idea is not funny. What do you have better than that? 
So like their trust in her being funny is never challenged. No, it's the, it's idea. the idea that's challenged. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I had that experience with you in our last podcast where like I asked a question, I was asking it of our guest and you jumped in to answer and I was like, let her, you know, and then after I did that, I was feeling inside me like, Oh fuck. I think I, you know, might've hurt Mark's feelings. I didn't mean to do that. Blah, blah. And afterwards you were like, no, man, we're, you know, we're good. Like I work within a men's group. We're sharp yeah. stone, like iron sharpens iron. Yeah. So I appreciated that, um, gift, I would say. And like, this is how we're going to operate. This is how I want to operate. You're saying to me, like, that's, this is the level, which is so nice, you know, like when we don't have to tiptoe around and such a fucking waste of time. I would say it's not actually nice. There's like a connotation with nice that I'm not comfortable with. I think it's um, powerful that we have that agreement. And I love that you stepped into owning that before we actually made it explicit because that's just your default behavior. And so I'm, I'm totally cool with that. And, and, you know, there's a point at which we may cross a line where it does feel uncomfortable with each other, but I trust that too. Well, I was talking with it about this kind of thing with Bodhi yesterday about owning, you know, like what is the term you use where you own your feelings and emotions? And I call it radical responsibility. That's it. Radical responsibility. Yes. So I was talking about that with Bodhi a bit and she was like, yeah. And after you're with something, you may go back to the person and go, well, that really did hurt my feelings when you said that. And, and you hope they don't do it again. Like, so there, she was talking about with her boyfriend, they had this conversation of the middle ground of overthinking something, but also of not thinking of something at all and finding that middle place. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I totally understand that, what that means. And I think in a way, what you shared is the relationship you and Tomas have is, you like you said you've been playing music and going through life together since the age of 14 it's like with christine's dog i think there is no question of the love that you both have for each other and in that things could be said and done and and you know like well like even if my feelings are hurt by chris i don't think they ever would be anymore because again, that the feelings are hurt when we're not feeling loved. Well, I think there's a lot of different ways that that plays out. What I was about to say, and what I'm saying now is that I've had friendships that feel the same root level friendship, like basis, like I can trust this guy and we'll have a fight or whatever. And then I've had things come up where I actually did want to pull back and, and, and not be as present for the friendship. And that's happened to me. And so I, I, what I recognize in that is that even though there's this sense of the indomitable connection, the, the, the forever nature of the, the mutual admiration and love for each other, there are real things, real lapses in integrity where that can be cut. That thread can be cut. Absolutely. That, and, yeah. And Bodhi and I were talking about that. Like if you did go to someone and say, well, my feelings were hurt. And it just kept going that way. You may go like, oh, that's someone I just want to distance from. <laughs> I, yeah. I know yeah. I don't want to interact with yeah. that individual. It wears down your trust when people um, unconsciously or consciously break through barriers or issues. And now, in some instances, there can be growth from it. Like Tomas pushing me past my comfort zone. That's growth, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and I think there's layers to that, like, uh, you know, different levels of that can be damaging. And it's all about, you know, resilience and calibration and, you know, your ability to expand. Right. And I've really worked in the last eight, 10 years of my life on my ability to move beyond the the settings that I had established for most of my adult life. And a big part of that resilience and capacity was able to happen as a result of not using cannabis. 
And I just want to speak it again. Like this is the age of legal cannabis and I'm five years, July 5th, I'll have five years sober uh, from cannabis use. And I don't think it would have been possible for me to have the level of maturity I had because your body is a gateway to wisdom and expansion happens through the body. And one of the things I was using cannabis for was to try and cover up and numb out and escape a lot of the early trauma that I had and a lot of the traumatic context that I kept kind of re reinvigorating, you know, with my own reactivity to them. And it wasn't until I broke free of that and had to find new ways to unlock my discomfort that I was able to expand. And uh, I think, you know, being someone who seeks expansion, who wants more breadth, depth and uh, wackiness. Yeah. Wackiness. <laughs> That's a gift. It is. <laughs> Comes a little Amazon box with peanuts and you know that's a, not a bad idea. You know, there's this whole subscription service people get yeah. like a monthly thing. Yes, Maybe we should just just start, start the wackiness, whack a box. <laughs> yeah, you can either open it or smash it, depending <laughs> on what you want to do. And sometimes smashing it will be a good thing. Sometimes smashing it, spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be wacky. Now Here, here's a box of spiders. <laughs> <laughs> or or this time it's a small baggie filled with red paint. So if you smash it, you're going to get red paint everywhere. Oh, now, dear. <laughs> Have you really- seen those videos of the guy who got so pissed off with people stealing his Amazon boxes? He rigged up boxes with like this fart thing and glitter and all. Yeah. Yeah. I have seen those. That that's brilliant stuff. In fact, yeah. Amazon should have one of those that you can buy. Ah. <laughs> so you don't have to oh, try to like idea. Build, build one. Right. Yeah. That's a great right. idea. We should, we should text that guy and go, dude, sell these on Amazon. Like if people are having trouble buying, you know, having their boxes on. Yeah. Order the order the you know, and it's like those, the, when they steal the cash from the bank, it, when it explodes, you get, Right, all over right, you. And it's right. like you're you're the dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A wonderful life. Especially with us. This is a crazy ride. It's a low horsepower ride, but we get to see more of the scenery that way. <laughs> and it's not quite so loud. I don't know. What if the muffler falls off? It can be quite loud. Isn't it kind of falling off in the picture? No, those are mushrooms that are falling off. I see yeah. it in their logo. Got yeah. it. I was kind of jealous the other day. Oh, I realized it had nothing to do with it. I'm looking <laughs> at our screen right now, and I noticed that the Moped Outlaws logo actually landed on top of her you know, upper third. And I was like, why is he giving her the upper third? Why isn't that on our blah, blah, blah? And I'm realizing now as I look at this that it just happens to be where it lands when you when you have three people yeah 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 we could do this if it's really bothering you uh no (laughs) (laughs) i mean no it's not bothering me (laughs) okay okay wow what about this does that bother you (laughs) only a little bit just a little bit for those of you who can't see what's going on, visually, we're on cameras and they're side by side. And, and what Greg or camp counselor Minky was doing is moving them back and forth, left and right. And then the last one, he made his really big and mine really small, which is kind of an accurate reflection of reality. But that's a side bit. And so that, that's what's going on. Um, and how Mark knows this, we're not going to go into right now. <laughs> hey, speaking of that. I am really feeling Randy. This summertime feeling is growing. So, hook me yeah, up. It's God's work, my friend. God is in you, and He wants to get out. She wants to get out. We want to get out. We want out. We want out. <laughs> All the gods and goddesses embodied by me. We want out. We there want are souls out. that want to come into this mess. I God bless them. Like, wow. Well, like, you know, we started with is Robin's having the time of her life right now. I really am so proud of her. Just like my love for her is flowing very freely. It just what an amazing trip she started on. And so many challenges to it, even, you know, the days and weeks leading up to departure time were challenging. 
Yeah. And her perseverance is a, a real uh, testament to um, her capacity, despite being raised by you and um, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> I, that could have gone the other way. I was about to praise you, and then I thought, well, it'd be funnier if I dissed you. Um, <laughs> funnier. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking is it's the solstice, right? And yeah. literally, I mean, setting the spiritual sort of metaphor aside and just there's a lot more energy in the northern hemisphere, literal energy from the sun, right? Right. right. So it's an energizing period, which stimulates our our, our whole biology, which is one of the reasons why what you said a few minutes ago is real, is that, that this is the time, right? The summer maypole dance, the, the dancing around the, 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 you know, on the, on the solstice and then making that late night connection for love. Was the wicker man a summer solstice or a winter solstice? Story? Summer. It was summer. a summer solstice story? Yeah. Wicker man. That was a horror film. Oh my God. One of the scariest, like there's a top five scary for me. Some of which I wouldn't even watch. Like I won't watch the exorcist. Um, the legend of hell house scared the crap out of me. When when we were kids. Yeah. Yeah. That was a scary, scary scary movie. That was a good scary movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, wicker man is also quite frightening. Yeah. And most people don't think of it as this. They think of it as sci-fi, but I think Alien is a really great horror film. That oh, first movie. Yeah, that was so movie. scary. I remember I saw that with Elizabeth. Probably Mike. It must have watched it with Mike. There may have been one other person with this. Maybe, but I remember walking out. We saw it at the Corte de Madera Theater. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking out at night and just having this feeling in my body of like yeah. unease, you know, just yeah. like, oh. Yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott is a great director. Yeah. And he really, like, really brought it home with that film. Yeah, he did. And, you know, I remember being, how old were we? We were like, didn't Ridley Scott do the first Top Gun? Or was that Tony Scott? I don't think it was Ridley Scott. It might be. God. No, you know what it was? It, well, I don't know. No, I'd have to um, look that up. Yeah. Are you going to look it up? Yeah. Um, I forget what I was about to say about the alien. Oh, we were like, I think I was like 17 or something like that when it came out. What year did it come out? That was like 80 something. <laughs> yeah. So I would have been right about there, about 18 Oh, he did Thelma and Louise. Ridley Scott did. Yeah. Alien. Alien. But Top Gun, no. I don't think it was. But Sam Tom Cruise was in a Ridley Scott film right before he did. He did Legend. Yeah. 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 Um. But I don't think Ridley. I think it was those two, those really famous two producers that I can't remember their names right now. (laughs) <laughs> that's how famous they are they did a lot of action stuff in this well yeah the brook the Bruckheimer, that's it yeah but they weren't the uh, um directors who directed tony scott it was tony scott okay so, well, i mean not ridley but it was his brother tony i think they're related i'm like 99 percent. now sure. we're just making shit up no i really think tony scott tony scott <laughs> the youngest of three brothers, one of whom is fellow film director Ridley. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense that that Tom would go from Ridley. Oh, these to fucking Tony. two guys did them. Like fucking Tony Scott did True Romance. Did you ever see that movie? Not that I remember. Oh, it's so good. That is was it a uh, flick? no, no, no. It's um, um, Quentin Tarantino screenplay. And so it was the film that, like, I think gave him the clout to direct his own movie. And it's ah. um, it's got the best film scene ever created in life. With um, pretty bold statement. With Christopher Walken and uh, gosh darn it, what's his name? Who played the news guy in um, Apocalypse Now? Um. So tell me the name of the film again. It's called uh, True Romance. And what genre is it? It's a rom-com. Really? (laughs) Doesn't Quentin Tarantino create (laughs) rom-coms? Not typically. 
It's a no. It is a Quentin Tarantino film. I'd say. There's right, a romance. That's a genre. There's a romance in there, but uh. All right, so I've made myself a note to watch it. Yeah, and what's the guy's name? Dennis Hopper. Ah, Dennis Hopper yeah. and Christopher Walken have the best scene ever created in film legend history. Whatever. Okay, good. We're going to check that out. Joe yeah. Bob says, check it out. Oh, yeah. Joe Bob is blowing me right now. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Well, <laughs> I'm to throw you under the testicles. I'm that's not under, and I'm glad that's not on the camera. We can't see below We're the We're all glad. It would change the, the yeah, family-friendly show we're creating here. That's right. Well, yeah. I think this is a good time to change the subject. <laughs> The summit. The <laughs> Change <subject>. the summit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What are we going to talk about now? I don't know anything. Summer <laughs> no. camp. What? Yeah. One time at summer camp. <laughs> Have you ever gone? Do you ever remember going to summer camp? I did go to summer camp. I went to a YMCA, the um, <clears throat> Indian guides. It was a YMCA oh, yeah. summer camp, and I sold butter toffee peanuts to earn money to go, and I did it. I was able to earn enough to go. I remember I became very fond of butter toffee peanuts because I bought a couple cans myself and they were delicious. And I remember I saw lightning strike the ground. So there was a storm and I was in one of the cabins looking through the screen and a lightning strike like within 20 yards of the cabin. That was amazing to me. Wow. And I remember I came home with a birdhouse. That I had done in wood shop, and I'd loved that. That was like this wonderful. But I also remember being very melancholy and sad. Yeah, I think that's true. A lot of boys and girls go away to summer camp, and at first they feel like a loss, so they feel alone. They feel, and then they go through that, and then you form bonds, and you get to do fun stuff. Did you eventually come out of it, or did that last for you? You know. I don't recall having any friendships at this particular summer camp. I don't know if that's my own um, propensity to lean into the melancholy, lonely narrative of my childhood. Yeah. (laughs) Or was it really that way? Well, I would say that your description of it validates that that, that's your experience and that's enough for me was that it, it wasn't that it was melancholic and that's okay. Right. Um, I I remember liking it. I don't know. That's weird. Well, with a lightning strike like that is a striking memory, man. That's beautiful. Like I don't remember ever seeing lightning strike in front of me and on the ground. That's quite a memory. It was, it's still, I could just see it clear as day right now. Yeah. Yeah. I had a different like experience with summer camp because I had two basic ones that I can talk about. But the one I'm thinking of was a kind of an urban summer camp. In other words, I lived at the time in um, North Oakland and I managed to get set up for summer school through the school district. But it was cool. It was it had um, different classes. One of the classes I took was tennis and then the other was video news production, hmm. which was really great because I went on, you know, I'd already been into stuff like CB radio broadcasting and stuff like that. And so when I went on to to TV news production, it was it got me on a road that, you know, carried me through like after high school and then into my junior college experience, I was studying film and that love of editing and that love of shooting imagery and being on camera, like that stuck with me the whole way. And that led to lots of great opportunities in my life, including, you know, how I got involved with Bill Graham presents and then ultimately Lucasfilm in my career. So that summer really points to a, a real love that I have for image and sound and, and production. And um, <clears throat> we were tasked with creating a short broadcast of the, of some kind of noteworthy news thing. And so we had to write it down and then the other kids would shoot us and we each did our own like, you know, short news segment, right? Like in, in those days it was still four by three. It wasn't widescreen like it is now. Yep, right? yep, so there yep. was no like 
doing this and having something appear here. It was definitely straight on. And we did just a little Chiron with our, our name under it because we had like a little Chiron generator. And it was the shitty old ones that were just dot matrix style, which for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a bunch of little dots that form the letter. Yeah, there we go. Really, thanks for that boring exposition there, Mark. What was fascinating about my experience? You just lost the young crowd. <laughs> well, I'm about to get them back. Okay. I was really a rebel at that point. I did not like being told that I was supposed to do things a certain way. And instead of writing like a serious news thing, I did a quick PSA. And it was um, something I stole from some comedians at the time. And uh, basically, I just didn't want to write like a serious news bit. And I thought that was kind of a that was being done all around us. And I was like, oh, we need something better than that. And so I did. No stems, no seeds that you don't need. Acapulco Gold. Then the, the teacher was none too impressed with me, but the kids were laughing. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny because that's uh, in our senior show thing that happened. Like all the, that was a tradition at the high school. The seniors would do this. Two of my friends did that. And the notorious part was they lit a real joint on stage. That's for, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, and then the other summer camp I went to was soccer camp, huh. and um, that was amazing. Did you go more than one summer? Uh, no, just the one. So and you had a summer of camp, and that was it in your life. Well, I had the two. They were. I went to the one that was more urban, right. where we studied tennis, and so that was a different summer than the right. Summer. And then the next okay. summer, okay. Um, my parents couldn't really afford much, and so. My good buddy Steven was was interested. We were both playing soccer full time, and his dad and mom were really interested in getting us out of the house because I was hanging out with him most of the time. <laughs> and so they they we ponied up me to go to soccer camp with Steve. <laughs> and Tell you what, went family. We will pay for your son to go with our son and get the fuck out of our house. It wasn't quite like that, but nonetheless, they loved us. His parents loved me. And so that was really sweet of them to pay for soccer camp. And so the way that worked was we lived again in North Oakland and Steve and I would have to get on the 6 a.m. BART, the first BART, and go all the way to the Fremont Station because that's where the soccer camp was. And it was about a two-block walk from the Fremont Station to the field. And we loved it. We had like Adidas cleats and we had shin guards and we had, they gave us these special soccer t-shirts that we've got with our, that went with our Adidas shorts. And we just had a freaking blast. And one of the coolest things about that was Steve's family owned a restaurant called Mama's Royal Cafe in Oakland. And so we would go to Mama's in the morning to make our lunch and oh, nice. they had everything man so we would make crab sandwiches with bacon and like it was oh, like we had the best freaking lunches of anybody at the soccer camp oh. it was it was a lot of and that was my first experience with something called erg which is spelled e-r-g um and it was basically a powdered gatorade that you put in your water to replenish you because we were burning through some calories man nice yeah, yeah. that sounds awesome yeah, so that was a lot of fun, and Stephen and I used to come home because we only had the one shirt. They only gave us the one T-shirt. So every night we would wash the shirts because they were soaking with sweat and then blow-dry them with the hairdryer so they'd be dry by the next morning. And the parents were like, are you blow-drying that shirt again? <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Every night. Just yeah. get used to it, Mom. Every yeah. motherfucking night. So both your parents were together during this period of your life. No, my mom, I lived with my mom at that point. Okay. But yeah. I just said my parents because it's like neither one of them could deal with it. <laughs> well, your dad couldn't deal with it because he was. So well, what I mean is my mom didn't have the resources paying rent and, you know. Right, 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 right. She was actually probably very relieved that I had made a friend whose father owned a restaurant. To come uh, yeah, I was a nice. teenager and consuming. Yeah, probably relieved, like you were doing something positive, going to this camp, and yeah, yeah. It was, but yeah. it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, um, 
that year, that fall, we did our president's fitness testing. Do you remember doing president's fitness testing in school? I remember it coming about and it being part of a Wheaties campaign. Like on the back of the Wheaties, you could <clears throat> mark your fitness and turn it in for something. Yeah, I don't remember that part. But um, because of the soccer summer, I set a school record for one of the things. Nice. And then in high school, I ran a four minute and 20 second mile. Wow. That's nice. Which is pretty fast for high school. Yeah. It's pretty and nice. I had people tell me they didn't believe me. And I was like, well, I was there. I did it. And they said, well, why didn't they recruit you for track? And I was like, well, I didn't really want to do track. Um, I was on the fencing team. But in order to qualify for the fencing team, you had to, you know, do the thing where you ran the mile because the fencing team was like three days a week was two hours of weight circuit. And then Tuesday, Thursday was running. When so did you, you ever do fencing? So first we did two hours of workouts then because you had a prerequisite. You had to be enrolled in the weightlifting course and you had to be um, in this one PE class that was mostly about running. And then you could be on the fencing team, which was after school from three to five. So anyway, at part, when I qualified for that, I ran a 420 mile, which was apparently pretty good. That's pretty good for high school. Like you said, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Like professionals. I remember when I was in high school, one of our friends, Larry Ganay was, I think he ran a four minute, mile in high school or maybe even broke four minutes or something, but he was no breaking four um, minutes would have been a world record at that point. I don't think so. I think it had been broken. I know the four minute mile was like the, the bar where if you were a badass, you know, anything. Yeah. Over that. I'm not sure. Obviously I'm not sure. Cause well, I remember I'm, later at the Boho house, Larry and I arguing about it. Cause he said, there's no way you ran a 420 in high school, man. I was like, yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's one of those people who's really transformed quite a bit in the past few years. Yeah. And, I, I, I've had some conversations with him. I've, you know, he's got a good heart. He's been through a lot of loss lately. Yeah. Yeah. He has. Um, one thing about summer camp that um, I wanted to bring up because it showed me the behind the scenes political bullshit that exists in our fucking Marin County. Um, so right when I was divorced, one of my dear friends in life, it's interesting because I consider her a dear friend, but she comes in and out of life. Um, she and her uh, partner in the camp, Beth. So Aaron and Beth ran super cool summer school. That was part of the Larkspur Recreational Department. And I think it, anyway, it was awesome. One of the things that was awesome is the two of them treated children like human beings who could make their own decisions. And you'd see parents come in like, oh, you know, with an agenda. And Aaron and Beth would go to the child like what do you want you know you have a voice in this and i loved that but what happened is um aaron got offered a position like a dream position at a different township here in marin and the behind the scenes political bs like the just undermining it, it seemed to me like finance it just wasn't supported and it was an incredible school and it fell apart when they left and it just showed how the two of them for years like 14 years or something just held this thing together from sheer passion yeah despite the lack of support and chaos and yeah their spiritual commitment to it was what made it work yeah 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 well I have a little bit of experience with that. Last year, I got to be an instructor at a, uh, something called Edmo Adventure or um, Summer Camp. And I'm doing it again this year, but I'm a school administrator this year. I'm a, a site assistant as, as and not just an instructor. And I start today, in fact. Um, while you're hearing this conversation, I'll be um, in 
the, the classroom. In summer school. <laughs> in summer school as a summer in school site assistant. Yeah. Um, and that preparing for that's been uh, like a three month journey. And recently, some serious challenges have come up for it. And wow. I've had to really break through some very significant issues that have come up in, and the thing that broke me through it. And this was like on, on Wednesday night, I was actually having this, you know, deep soul searching problem because one of the things that's going on in America right now is it's really hard to find people to do jobs, especially low tier jobs. So like summer camp counselor and summer camp instructor, even though we're paying 20 plus an hour for these positions, they're not all full. And I, I was looking at the roster and we've got twice as many kids this year as we did last year. And I was a technology instructor last year. So we did things like 3d animation and block coding and, and, you know, 3d building and stuff like that. And this year, those programs are well attended. I think I have, there's 15 in one version and then uh, like 19 in the other or 20 in the other one. Anyway, there's two courses, two classes per day and no instructors listed. And my job as assistant is to cover whenever there's no instructor. Well, there's also no counselors for those two positions either. So I, I was talking to the main district manager. I'm like, Hey, um, there's some math here that I'm not sure how we're going to be able to handle. And I want to brainstorm with you. And like, we're opening a little later than some of the other camps and her camps, she's been dealing with managing the camps that are open on top of this particular issue. And I pointed it out to her and it says, well, I don't see how I can teach two separate classes at once, especially when there's no counselors to take, like the counselor takes them away for like 45 minutes to do stuff in the play yard and stuff while you prep for the afternoon session. So there's the morning session, then there's the, the break the time. And then there's the, the, the afternoon session and then lunch. And then there's, the, you know, another playground session thing. And I'm like, if there's two of those and no counselors, I don't know how I'm going to do four class sessions and be in two different locations and prep for both of them. I don't see how that's happening. And so she was so overwhelmed with everything else she was handling that her response to me was, um, Figure it out. Discourteous on one level. And then, yeah, then, then it was like dismissive. Just you, you'll, you got to figure it out. And I was like, I replied to her. I said, Hey, I I feel, I think it's important that I communicate a couple things to you. One of which was it didn't feel good when you made it about my attitude. Like it's not about my attitude. Right. I was asking one plus one just equals two. Right. And, (laughs) and then secondarily, um, like, I don't, I, I, I literally, the, uh, the solution you offered me doesn't work from a math standpoint. She, she threw me this thing that was as if there was only one class and no, no one plus one equals one Mark move on. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so I said to her, okay, um, great. I'll, you know, thank you for your response. This, you know, I'll, I'll, and I just let it go. Cause at that point it was like six o'clock at night. And so there I was on Thursday morning in the middle of the night, really. And it was dark under the full moon. And I was up worrying about this, like, okay, cause my commitments to the kids. Yeah. And then I just took a deep breath and I'm like, my commitments to the kids. So whatever happens, I'm going to show up Monday and we're going to make it work somehow. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. And I might not actually be able to teach two separate technology classes. I'll have all the kids in the same room, right? right? Or I'll, ha- or, and we'll do something together. Right. And then we'll go out in the yard and we'll do the emotional um, team building stuff, which I love about Edmo. That's one of the great things about it is they have this emotional intelligence component to what they do. And then I just kind of was let it go. I'm like, okay, whatever happens, happens. Uh, and then, so Thursday morning, I, I got a, another Slack message from her and she said, okay, well, we moved a couple things around and we've moved, oh, there's one person who's going to be able to instruct one of the classes. So that made the, now it'll work. I'm still going to be working like a dog trying to do all of the administrative stuff and teach a class, but it got more doable. Right. Right. 
And just by me having the mental attitude of we'll figure it out. Right. And, um, that was really a breakthrough for me. And, um, I can choose whether to get stressed out and upset or I can choose to just ride it out when uh, things get weird and there's kids running around everywhere screaming and no one knows how to do their login and get on the website. And I'll just be, this is where me being a practitioner of Zen and meditation becomes the most important aspect of myself so that I can present this calm, you know, it, whatever, man, Buddha man, calm Buddha man. Uh, actually, I think what I'll do is I'll hang my, uh, uh, certificates from D- the dude university. That's what I'll do is I'll put them up in my class. All right. And let the kids know your teacher is a graduate of the dude university. Yeah. And I just want you to know you can call me the dude or the, I abide, right? Yeah. The two cert- certificates are right here. Why don't you have the kids call you the dude? Uh, well, be- uh, my name for these certificates isn't the dude, but what is it? Ju- Jedi dude went. So dude is in there. See, so you could just yeah. say, so you could just call me either Jedi or the dude or Jedi dude. No, the kids love that kind of stuff. Anyway. So I have an honorary degree of doctor of divinity in the field of metaphysics from Jedi Abide dude, university doctor of divinity in the field of metaphysics. <laughs> Which is a kind way of saying nothing. <laughs> and here, here is honorary degree, master of the arts in the field of abidance counseling. Abidance. The dude abides. You know, that's one of those movies that I thought was okay, but I wasn't overwhelmed by it. But the, the what do you call the legacy of that film is so profound. Yeah. Yeah. What white Russians and bowling. And <laughs> yeah. It'd be fun if I share, if I had long hair and a goatee, it'd be even better. I could show up in my bathrobe and be like, well, All right. you have a wig, don't you? No. Wait, oh, I thought you did. I don't think I do. No, you don't have a Halloween wig, but you know what? One of the things that we do at this is we have costume day every week. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's, I could do the dude, one of those costume days. Yeah. What if there was a Jedi dude, like this Jedi that was just like burnt out. <laughs> it's like got the bathrobe, yeah. the lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah lightsaber. There's some wires hanging off it. It's kind of busted. Yeah. And what if like he has a joint, you hear see the lightsaber go, you know, it lights the end of the joint. Well, that wouldn't be appropriate for school, but instead of a white Russian, it'd be a blue milk Russian. Yeah, right, because blue milk is the Star Wars. A blue Russian. A blue Russian. Speaking of Russia. Recording stopped. <laughs>